Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I am Marco Iacchini, Cross Asset Strategist, and on this episode of the podcast, we'll discuss our latest investment views from our quarterly global market outlook. Joining me today for this conversation, I'm glad to welcome Steve Bryce, Chief Investment Officer and investment strategist Sean Pan. Let's start with you, Steve. As I mentioned, we have just published our latest quarterly global market outlook. Can you please tell us about the shift in market narratives and what the implications for asset classes are? Thanks, Marco. Um, So the theme of our global market outlook this month is a wave of rotations. And I think the narrative that we're talking about more today is not whether there's been too little stimulus coming from particularly the, 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 the governments in the world and particularly the U.S. government, but more in terms of whether there's too much stimulus. Um, and this obviously has significant implications. And there are three key drivers we've been talking about for this year uh, are growth, inflation expectations, and bond yields. And obviously this greater stimulus than we've been expecting, the 1.9 fiscal, uh, fiscal stimulus in the States, for instance, um, you know, it does increase growth and inflation protections going forward. Now, we believe at the headline level, that's good for equities because we see the Fed, uh, well, central banks generally, but in the U.S., uh, the Fed are remaining very competitive in their monetary policy settings. We see further fiscal stimulus actually coming down the road. So that is probably going to lead to, to stronger growth going forward. And meanwhile, we still have significant excess capacity in the global economy, which should mean that any spike we see in inflation, and there is likely to be a spike, is likely to be relatively temporary. So from that perspective, we still favor um, global equities versus bonds and, and cash. So we still feel that the earnings recovery that's coming through globally, together with this strong uh, uh, growth cycle and, and the economic side, um, should support equities. At the regional level, um, we, we prefer U.S. equities, um, Asian equities, including Japan, um, and we have a preference uh, for the U.K. within Europe. But Sean will cover that a little bit more um, going forward. But in terms of uh, another factor, increasing yields is obviously uh, you know, both a good thing and a bad thing. So uh, from a, from the, the positive aspect for, for income generation um, or income generators, uh, the higher yields means that that income generation is easier to achieve because the starting yield is higher. But obviously, increasing yields leads to lower bond prices, and bonds are a significant in, uh, input into most um, allocations when it comes to income generation. So lower bond prices means uh, you know, lower returns. Uh, so from our perspective, there's three things we're, we're advising uh, invest, uh, income generating uh, focus clients to do. So firstly, look at areas that are less uh, sensitive to rising interest rates or rising bond yields. So uh, the number one preference within this space would be high yield bonds. So we like DM high yield, developed market high yield, uh, including US high yield, but also we like Asia high yield as well. Um, so we believe that they'll be less in, less sensitive to rising bond yields, and that should help protect investors. Uh, the second thing is, you know, look at more growth areas of the market that still generate decent yields, so high dividend yielding equities. Um, you know, this also plays into something we'll talk about in a moment on the value rotation theme. Um, generally, higher dividend yielding stocks are value by na- in nature. Uh, and thirdly, um, look at you know, increase allocation to hybrids such as preferred shares, cover call strategies and, and cocos, which give you a decent um, yield 
um, but also significantly lower correlation to traditional asset classes such as equities, so help from a diversification perspective as well. Thank you, Steve. Um, One notable change that um, we discuss in our global market outlook this month is the um, slightly more conservative view on U.S. technology on a 12-month horizon. Now, can you tell us more about this and how does that fit into your value rotation call? Yeah, so uh, maybe go back to the theme of, of the global market outlook. So wave, wave of rotation. So we're talking about rotation between countries, uh, between sectors, uh, and towards value. And again, the three factors of growth, inflation, expectations, and bond yields are, are really important here. Rising um, rising growth, rising inflation, and rising bond yields generally favor a value style uh, when it comes to equity investing. And this fits very cleanly into our uh, ready, steady, rotate um, theme that we had at the end of last year. And we expect this to continue uh, going forward because that the, the drivers seem to be um, pretty positive. So value-orientated sectors um, such as financials, industrials, materials, and energy um, they're all preferred sectors in the U.S. now. Um, preferred basically means we expect them to outperform um, the rest of the U.S. market. Uh, and they're, as I say, they're all value spaces. So they all fit into that theme. Technology is obviously doesn't fit into a value uh, a value theme. It's much more growth style and orientation. Um, now, technology, to be fair, we've been overweight technology for most of the past 10 years since I've been in the CIO office. And that's obviously done us incredibly well. Um, but this month, what we've done is we've actually reduced our allocation to technology uh, and reduced it to what we call a core, a core holding. Now, that doesn't mean we expect uh, technology to do poorly. It just means we don't expect it to see a reduced probability um, that it will outperform the rest of the U.S. market going forward. So that's, that's a significant change from our perspective. Um, that said, elsewhere in the world, so in Europe and China, uh, we actually still remain overweight tech. So it's only in the U.S. that we've made that downgrade. Uh, China is actually a particularly interesting uh, example. Uh, there's a, a, an increase of focus domestically on becoming self-reliant in the technology space. And we think that's going to create, obviously, it's going to create some geopolitical tensions and some uh, challenges from time to time. But we do believe it's going to um, generate a lot of opportunities uh, for technology companies in, in China over the coming uh, months and years. Great. Thank you, Steve. Now, over to you, Sean. Uh, Steve, so far, has talked about the rotations in various asset classes, and obviously he has talked about rotations in across equity regions. Now, can you walk us through the preferences for uh, equity regions here at Standard Chartered, and what are the key changes this month? Thank you, Marco. So, yes, so our view remains that the broadening of the economic recovery will continue to favor U.S., Japan, as well as Asia x Japan equities, which remain as our top three preferred regions this month in that particular order. So, obviously, U.S., being the leader in terms of the vaccinations rule, remains our most preferred region um, on a policy front. Corporate earnings should benefit from the latest $1.9 trillion fiscal stimulus package. And of course, monetary policy is likely to remain accommodative as well. Um, and this was reaffirmed at the latest Fed meeting. Um, U.S. equities are also likely to be supported by the revival of share buybacks, which is a key driver of equity market performance. Our next preferred region is actually Japan. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, this environment of accelerating growth and dovish central banks is actually supportive for Japan where a large weightage of the equity market comprises of more cyclical sectors and where companies also derive a large majority of their revenues from abroad. 
So Asia and Japan also remains a preferred area as well, although it ranks below US and Japan due to concerns of potentially tighter policy in China. So as far as China is concerned, um, we also now have a preference for onshore over offshore equities. So onshore equities are actually more insulated from the rotation to value, um, which Steve has pointed out earlier, um, given the differences in sector composition. And obviously, in recent days as well, we have seen concerns around the negative impact of potentially tighter regulations on large internet companies. And we believe that onshore markets should be relatively more insulated um, from these regulations as well, given the lower exposure to these large internet firms. In terms of other key changes, we have also upgraded the UK to preferred this month, while downgrading euro area to least preferred. And this is really driven by three key factors. So the first would be the pace of the vaccine distribution. So the UK is one of the leading countries um, in the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines, while we see that the euro area is actually lagging behind by a pretty significant margin. So obviously, this will have implications on the pace of economic reopening, where the UK is likely to see you know, a faster rebound in economic activities, while earnings momentum in the euro area could lag you know, if reopening is delayed by another wave of cases or if we see restrictions being tightened further. So the next factor, you know, back to Steve's point earlier, we think that investors should actually be tactically positioned for a continued rotation into value. UK actually has um, you know, the highest exposure to value sectors that have higher dividend yields or lower PE valuations. And these are sectors such as financials, industrials, materials, as well as energy, which should benefit from a more robust economy and faster pace of growth as well. So lastly, you know, valuations are still attractive. So UK equities are actually trading at their largest discounts over the long-term history. So just by example, you know, the PE multiple for UK equities is actually 22% lower than that for the euro area and 28% lower than global equities. So just to summarize, after several years of underperformance, we believe that, you know, these three factors are likely to support and how performance by UK while the euro area is likely to underperform. Um, we actually expect, you know, above consensus earnings rebound of 40% in the UK, and we still see scope for um, PE valuations to re-rate higher, while we think that this is quite unlikely in the euro area, um, especially after the strong re-rating that we saw last year. Thank you, Sean. That was a very detailed uh, answer. So thank you for going over those uh, those points. Now, lastly, uh, given the rise in U.S. Treasury yields, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, how does that impact our view on other fixed income markets? Thank you, Marco. So that's a great question. And before we talk about the implications of rising yields, perhaps it might be useful to take a step back and talk through our view on U.S. Treasury yields. So the 10-year government bond yields actually risen by nearly 80 basis points this year, frankly, much faster than what we had expected. Um, going forward, we actually believe that bulk of the increase in yields is actually behind us, and we think that 10-year Treasury should trade around the 1.5 to 1.75% range over the next 12 months. And our view is really based on a couple of key factors. So the first is actually Fed guidance. So in the latest meeting, Fed actually guided to no rate hikes until the end of 2023, and we believe that this means policy will remain accommodative for the foreseeable future. If we look at economic data, the recent improvement in growth and near-term inflation expectations do exert an upward pressure on use. However, um, if we look at long-term inflation expectations, these are at the highest levels in the last five years. And this actually indicates that inflation risk is likely priced in, and we could see these expectations sort of normalizing in the near term. Another factor that we looked at is actually real use. 
which are actually nominal yields net of inflation. And as yields have risen faster than inflation, real yields have increased. And this actually acts as a drag on growth, which potentially limits the rise in nominal yields. So the last factor is actually technicals, which refers to demand and supply dynamics. So recent fiscal stimulus actually raises the risk of higher supply, but we believe that at current levels, U.S. Treasury yields are still attractive to foreign investors, and this could lead to incremental demand on the margin. So now that we have laid out our view on U.S. Treasury yields, how does this sort of impact our view on other fixed income asset classes? So despite the rise in yield that we have seen, we will still retain our bullish view on EN dollar as well as Asian dollar bonds. And we actually view the recent pullback as an opportunity for investors to add more exposure. So in the near term, actually, we do see some headwinds as, you know, higher U.S. yields have led to a stronger dollar. And this has, you know, sparked fears of the repeat of the table tension that we saw back in 2013, where EM bonds actually suffered sharp outflows and negative returns. We are also seeing, you know, rising virus cases in several EM countries as well. And this could potentially weigh on the currencies in the near term. And this was one of the key reasons why we actually downgraded EM local currency bonds to a core holding last month. However, if you look at a longer, you know, 6 to 12 month horizon, we're actually more constructive on EM fundamentals. So higher commodity prices should benefit EM countries, which are net exporters. And if you look at the fundamental side, you know, EM FX reserves as a percentage of GDP are higher than what they were in 2013. Overall, on the growth front as well, you know, although EM growth is expected to lag the developed markets in the first half of the year, it is actually expected to outpace DMs in the second half of the year, you know, as we see vaccinations continue to get a pace. Lastly, from a valuation perspective as well, you know, we see EM dollar government bond yield premiums largely unchanged for the year, and this has actually increased their relative attractiveness versus DM bonds. Similarly as well, you know, Asian dollar bonds continue to offer attractive pickup versus U.S. corporate bonds, while also benefiting from their over 50% exposure to Chinese issuers. You know, and this is great because, you know, China is probably the furthest along in the recovery from the pandemic as well. Um, and hence, we continue to believe that EM dollar as well as Asia dollar bonds offer an attractive risk reward for investors. Thanks again, Steve and Sean, for joining our conversation. That's all for this episode of Standard Chartered Money Insight. If you'd like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.